The First Tee with Robbie Greenfield and Zane Scotland. Brought to you by the DP World Tour, the race to Dubai. Hello everyone, welcome along to another First Tee podcast with the DP World Tour, hosted by myself, Robbie Greenfield and Zane Scotland. Coming up on the episode, we're in conversation with a man who just landed his third tour win of the season in Spain, taking him to third on the Race to Dubai rankings, behind only Rory McIlroy and John Rahm. Of the full-time DP World Tour players, this guy is top of the pile for 2023, and his future on the PGA Tour and in major championships looks highly promising. This is our in-depth chat then with Poland's Adrian Moronk. We discuss how he learned to make winning a habit, how he used the disappointment of not being selected for the ride Cup to spur him on to more success and how he became a true trailblazer for Polish golf. Hello, one and all. Welcome along to another edition of the First Tee Podcast with the DP World Tour. It is myself, Robbie Greenfield. It is Zane Scotland in studio with me. We're in conversation with another big name from the world of golf in this episode. But before we get into that, I will say... Hello to Zane Scotland. How are we, sir? I'm very good, Robbie. Very good. Played a little bit of golf over the last couple of weeks. As I feel like I always say that now. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy. That is I'm your life, man. basically. Yes, let's, yes. let's not make two bones about it. I find you uh, a, a very informative and yet equally frustrating man to follow on social media, as I've said more than once. Well, that's a goal complete then. What more can I ask for? <laughs> you give me a lot of useful content, but you also make me extremely envious whenever I, I see you out playing Sunningdale or Queenwood or Wentworth or wherever it is you tend to frequent. But you're here in Dubai now. Here in Dubai to find some good golf courses here and, yeah. and maybe have a look at your game and let's have a little game. That, that is the promise. You know, that's been floated. That's been yeah. dangled for the last five or six episodes. So I'm going to pin you down. We're going to take a detailed look at my short game over the course of the next week or so. That'll be an episode in itself. <laughs> All right, moving on to our special guest today for the episode. It's Adrian Moronk, who has had just a sensational season. Three wins on the season on the DP World Tour, four in total on the tour. And um, of the guys that are consistent DP World Tour players, Adrian has kind of in many ways done it the hard way because he's played a full calendar and he's notched those three wins around the world as well. Last week in Spain at the Andalusia Masters, he also won in Italy. We're going to ask him a little bit about that at the Marco Simone Golf and Country Club. And he won in Australia as well. He's actually defending later on this year in Australia. So he's a global golfer. He's been around the world and he's won on all courses. Won on all courses and different styles of courses as well. So, you know, his game can can stand up to you know, different conditions, different grasses, different pressures. You know, not just, you know, when you go to somewhere like Australia... Your ball striking has to be absolutely on point. Those greens are like a rock hard and they're super fast, and you got to have great, got to be great out of the bunkers. And then you would go somewhere like Marco Simone, more modern golf course, maybe through the air, maybe not going to say quite so soft, but not the old school course that he would have won on in Australia. And then a really tight golf course at Sotto Grande. I've played there many times, and that is a pick your place you know lots of dog legs you know three woods across corners really windy conditions so like all those things you're thinking that to me spells a possible major champion right excited to find more about adrian's story he's in studio with us this is the first tee podcast with dp world tour in conversation with the man ranked number three on the race to dubai adrian moronk 
I want to give this man his proper introduction because, well, he only won a couple of days ago. He's a four-time winner now on the DP World Tour. His fourth title coming at the Andalusia Masters in Spain. Adrian Moronk. He's currently ranked third on the race to Dubai behind just Rory McIlroy and John Rahm, making him the highest-ranking full-time DP World Tour player this season. It's his second win of 2023. It's his third win of the season after claiming the Australian Open in December and the Italian Open in May. He also won the Irish Open in 2022. It's fair to say the man is on a hot streak and as recently as 2019, he won his first event as a pro on the Challenge Tour at the Open de Portugal. Adrian has been setting records for Polish golf. He's the first Polish golfer to win on the DP World Tour. He's the first pole to play in the US Open, the Open and the Masters. And without further ado, we say a very, very good afternoon to Adrian Moronk. It's great to have you with us, Adrian. Hello, thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's nice to be here with you guys. I think the first thing we've got to say is congratulations again. Thank you. <laughs> it's, Thank it's, you. it's a word you're hearing a lot at the moment this season, Adrian. I, I, mean, I think I can get used to it. You, to can get, you, you can get used to it. I mean, what a performance in Spain over the weekend. You started the final round a few shots back. You didn't have the greatest of starts, a couple of bogeys in the first few holes. And as you have done so often, you suddenly went crazy out there on the golf course, holding shots from the fairway, eagles, birdies, 66. That must have felt pretty sweet. Yeah, to be honest, it was a strange week for me. I, I was coming from uh, food poisoning uh, after Alfred Dunhill. So I had a one week off, lost like six kilos, and I didn't have my best golf on, on Tuesday when I arrived to Spain. Uh, so, so actually, I started tournament, I think it was three over after first nine, first nine holes. But then as the tournament went on, my game was getting better. I was uh, you know, doing my drills on the range and and yeah, to finish as I finished on on Sunday was just amazing. Again, as you said, I was three, I think two over after three holes. Didn't have my best golf again, but then I stayed in it. The, the weather was very tricky. It was very windy. Then there was a little bit of rain as well. Uh, and then, yeah, just played uh, amazing golf after after that bad, bad start. You said like, you know, during the start of the week, you know, it didn't feel great, so you probably, you know, you probably give yourself a little bit of time to ease into it and so forth. At that point, so like, as the week went on, your your game obviously started to come back. Are there like a few? You're you're sitting with two like golf perverts, <laughs> is that right? So sw- swing, to swing enthusiasts, yeah. so. Is there, there are a few like kind of things that you work on in your game which have been quite constant over the last few years that you know in that time you've had a bit of time off coming back from a bit of illness that you kind of have a bit of a go-to like if I just make sure I do these two or three things it just starts to come back yeah I have like set of drills which I work on with my coach I, I've, I've worked with my coach for like uh, 14 years now so he, he knows my game and me quite well so whenever there's something wrong or I, I feel like there's something off I send him the video straight away so that's what I did on Tuesday and he kind of reminded me on of like one of the drills that I used to do so I just I was doing the, I focus on that drill every single day after that so I started on, on Wednesday and Thursday it was a little bit a little bit better on Friday but then on on Saturday it was much better I shot six under 
and then on Sunday um, I played my you know my good golf again so yeah I think all of the players they have like set of drills that they come back to whenever there's something wrong if you like look at Scotty Scheffler he's always on the range doing the same things and um, most of the players do the same and when you do something like hole out on the ninth, like you did for for Eagle, Adrian, that must give you a lot of adrenaline, a big rush. How do you calm yourself down to finish the job? Because you've still got to play a great back nine. You know, and it, these little moments in the rounds, it's not just the drop shots. It's sometimes it's the great moments in a round that can almost throw you off. Yeah, exactly. There's like a roller coaster of emotions. So you have to deal, deal with that. Um, I talk to myself in my head a lot, a lot of like positive self-talking um, I work on that with my psychologist and um, trying to focus on my breathing in, in between the shots in between the holes so uh, when I hold that shot on, on ninth obviously it was a great bonus uh, but uh, I had a lot of time the other two guys they had to finish the hole so I had a lot of time to just calm myself down and you're like come on guys yeah <laughs> no actually <laughs> get to the next team no, yeah actually I, I was quite happy that I had you know like maybe 15 minutes to just talk to myself relax drink some water have a bite of eat and then just talk to myself I have still nine holes of golf I'm in a good position because I saw the the leaderboard on, on ninth and I said okay you have nine holes let's play some golf and yeah then the back nine was just uh, I think I didn't make a bad swing over there. It's interesting getting into like the mindset of like going to a last round, starting to put a, a, week, a nice week together, and you get up to a slow start. At that point, what's, what are you thinking? Are you thinking, right, I've got to really push here to get back into it? Or are you just like, it's just another tournament, let the golf, good golf come back? What, you know, where does it, how does you go from that bad start to, to basically dominating and winning the tournament? To be honest, I stayed quite calm. I knew that that day I was actually swinging good on the range. I had a good warming up session and uh, I felt really, really well. So I, I just said, okay, stay patient. The weather was tricky. I knew it's gonna be windy. So I knew the you know the other guys gonna make some mistakes. So I just stayed patient and played my go- play my golf. When I made the first eagle, I think it was six. What uh, a great line that is! When I made my first <laughs> eagle, yeah, that <laughs> round, <laughs> it kind of like uh, got back. I got back the belief, and I, I said to myself, "Okay, I'm, I'm, you know, back, back in it, and we can still do something about it." And you've won, you know, the f- you're the first player to win three events this season. So you've separated yourself from the rest of the the guys on the DP World Tour. Dare I ask? Because we know how difficult it is to win golf tournaments. Every golfer will testify to that. But is winning? Are you finding it easier now? Is, in in other words, when you get into the situation, are you? having a mental recall to what you've done in the past that's helping you in this process yeah you're right the winning on tour is extremely hard it's, it's, it's there's so many good good golfers and just to finish the job it's the, the toughest job I think the toughest task for us um, but you're right um, uh, like I think it was 2020 or 21 I was getting a lot of second places third places fourth places i was leading the tournament after three rounds and i couldn't just finish it so as soon as i i i won my first tournament in in ireland in irish open and it kind of gives you the confidence and then when you're in this position again you can like recall the emotions and again self-talk and those experiences again and that helps you to you know finish the job again so I think um, the victories after the first ones are a bit 
you can say easier because you you know the feeling and you kind of know what to do and also you have the belief and confidence that then you've done it once so you can you can do it again and is that more of a psychological experience thing adrian or is that just as you say a confidence thing like uh you know you 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 attain a new level and a new stature in the game you you win an irish open it's a massive tournament you've you've proved to yourself that I, I belong in this company, that I can win in this company. Is it building blocks from that point on? Or is it really just about knowing what shot to hit in a certain situation under a certain amount of pressure? I think it's both, but more it's like a belief that, that you can do it under, when you in, whenever you're in contention, you can you can do it, you can trust your swing that it's gonna perform. And I think it's just the belief, it's, it's everything in golf, in, especially in those moments when you want to win the tournaments, you know? Uh, like on Saturday, I had a, I had a great shot on 17th hole uh, into like I don't know 15 feet maybe and I knew I have to make this putt and probably like two years ago I would just probably lagged it just to make just to make a par you know and and now I knew I, I had to make it and it was a, such a good stroke went dead in the middle so I think that's the difference and I think it comes from definitely from the belief when you think back to where you were on the Challenge Tour in 2019, graduating from there, earning your card on the DP World Tour, what's been the biggest aspect of your game that has changed the most in that time between how you used to play two to three years ago to, to the golfer you are now, sitting here as ranked third in the race to Dubai? Uh, probably number one would be my mental game. But that comes with the experience, and you know I've only I think I've played already like hundred, almost hundred tournaments on on DP World Tour. So that experience gave me also confidence, so I can feel quite comfortable in this environment and can play my best golf. But uh, in terms of golf, uh, we spent a lot of work on my short game and distance wedges and my putting, I th- which I think is the most important uh, thing if you want to win tournaments. I think putting is, is crucial. Uh, I held so many big putts last week uh, to win by one shot, so I think those make the difference. You're obviously getting yourself in a lot of pressure situations now. And is there anything in your game that changes slightly like some players will say okay uh, I know when I'm under pressure I'm going to hit it a bit further or I might like to just take a little bit off a certain shot or I've got to make sure that I get my putts to the hole or you know there's small nuances or, or a certain tee shot they like to play a certain shape when they feel a bit nervous do you have any of those or for you is it the same all the way through and you just press on no it changes definitely when you have more adrenaline the balls tend to go a little bit further and so you I factor that in with the yeah, caddy definitely. So, yeah so when I have when I'm in between shots and I'm nervous I know I need to make decision and take the clap less just to factor those you know circumstances uh, and definitely on the putting you kind of have to be more focused in my in my opinion when I'm nervous I have to pay more attention to have a better pace on the greens sometimes I just forget about it and I just you know play too aggressively and then have like five you don't want to have five or six footers when you're nervous uh, you know under pressure so you have to kind of factor that in yeah it's it's interesting because there are small changes which I think and if you're you're aware of them you can you can manage them because I think sometimes everyone tends to think that good golfers when they get on a hot streak like yourself should have this you know, magic ability to be able to turn it on at the right times. But a lot of the time, like as you're explaining there, you're you're the man right now doing the business and there's certain things which you know like 
that are very akin to you. I, I know under pressure, from your experience, this happens, yeah. and this is what I should do. And I think a lot of people, people can learn from that because you haven't got to do anything that you don't already know you've got to do. you just got to know what you do. That is obviously paying off for you. But I think that awareness is a good, good word here. You have to just be aware of what's going on with you, with your body, and with the golf ball under those circumstances, but that comes with the experience again. So I'm trying to collect those moments uh, in my head. Also, I, I write something down when I need to on the on the yardage book, and then I can remember about it in the future. I saw your winner's interview from the Andalusia Masters, Adrian. You, you were asked about the Ryder Cup. You said, I'm moving on, I'm looking forward. I appreciate you guys at the top level it is a case of looking forward. There's no point looking back, and I, I totally get that. But I thought the way you handled the whole situation was was really mature. Um, the way you came out, you spoke honestly, authentically. Can't have been easy to do that. It must, you know, to go and give a press conference and, and discuss it all and kind of have it all air in a very public way. Can't have been an easy process, and yet you you really handled yourself with a lot of credit. Thank you. I was. Uh tough situation for me to be honest also first first time for me didn't have any experience of that but uh, yeah I just um, you know let my emotions out and uh, yeah at the end of the day it is what it is it was a hard one to take to swallow uh, especially after the the last two years I had on tour playing mainly on DP World Tour and uh, but yeah, I'm over it. Uh, I, I watched a little bit of it. Um, I was going to ask that actually. Yeah. you did tune in. I did tune in. Tune in. Um, to be honest, um, first two days, Friday and, and Saturday, I only watched uh, the morning matches uh, when I was eating breakfast, and I went practice. And then on Sunday, I watched the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a great event. I mean, great great work yeah. from the European boys. Yeah, to, it was to quite get impressive. The job done. To be honest, quite impressive. So it was, I was very gutted not to be there. <laughs> oh man! Um, especially you know uh, the Marco Simone, where the place where I know quite well. I uh, can say that. But um, no, at the end of the day, um, happy that they win. They played. They deserved it. Played really well, um, and uh, I'm glad it's over. I've got to ask, just because you won so quickly after such a huge disappointment, Adrian, Novak Djokovic in tennis, he often says that he uses whatever energy he can get from wherever to take it, channel it, and then produce better tennis. And he's obviously one of the best who's ever done it. Did you use that whatever negative experience to propel you forward in golf? And, and if so, how? Yeah, I mean, he, Novak is such a good role model, so I, I would need to ask him how, how he does it. <laughs> but that, again, for me, that was a new thing, so I kind of had to learn how to do it. But yeah, I tried to um, use all of that as a motiva motivation. Uh, I remember when I got the news on Sunday night, obviously a little bit, I was sad and angry and stuff like that. But on Monday, I, I got this like a motivation wave in, inside me and I went to straight to the gym, uh, you know, put on uh, loud music and just started working out. So it's kind of a good, a good kickstart. Um, but I think you have to have a lot of good people around you in those situations to motivate you to not let you down and to you know keep um, telling you that you okay it's okay but I mean you can use that as a motivation move on and, and play play your golf I think um, that's what I did and uh, I got that support around me and I think that helped me to um, 
accepted. I think yeah. as soon as you can accept it, you can move on and and focus on your thing. Did a lot of people reach out to you from the golf community, from the professional world? Oh yeah, quite a few. I was actually amazed how many people uh, reached reached out to me. I think the next tournament after the announcement was the Irish Open, and literally I think every single player, Kerry, tour staff, media guys, they all came to me and uh, said yeah they were gutted for me and yeah I mean that was amazing how big support I got yeah I mean that tells you everything doesn't it when you say you get other yeah. players your peers and the caddies I mean if you're not good enough the caddies will tell you and, but you know if you are good yeah. enough you get it from all those people that's that's all you need to know pretty much if that's not a yeah, I'm I'm on the right track. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's a great it. confirmation. That gives me that gave me a lot of uh, motivation as well to you know to just do what I do. Does it change at all how you feel about the 2025 Ryder Cup? Will your motivation to qualify for that team be just as strong? Uh, definitely. But uh, I think what has changed. I want to focus just more on my game and just to qualify from the ranking just to play good enough to qualify from the ranking I think right. that's the key for me now not to um, count on someone else's you know decision so I think that's very painful at the end of the day because you think you deserve but you don't get it but if you qualify there's no questions from you know anyone so I think that would be my goal main goal to play good enough to just qualify on the points You've got a fascinating backstory, Adrian, in, in, the, in the way that you are a trailblazer, you know, in terms of Poland and, and Polish golf. You know, there's, if you grew up in the UK or Spain uh, or France, you know, there's, there's an existing kind of roadmap, if you like, for those young players that they play certain events and they go through a system and they, if they're good enough, they keep progressing. Whereas I'm really interested to hear how you got into it and what that was like has living out here for so long we've seen a lot of good players good juniors kind of fall foul of a lack of competition for want of a better word um, as they get to a stage where it's vital that you continue to test yourself at a really good level to keep pushing at that stage when you're you're 12, 13, 14 and your golf's on this big steep upward curve so how did you get into it and what was like the landscape like in Poland for golf yeah I mean in Poland it's very hard to, to start playing golf it's not the most popular uh, sport in the country uh, but I was fortunate enough that my, my father played since I remember uh, so any good? yeah he used to be good now he's like of 7 or 8 but okay. he used to be like 4 <laughs> still or something good. yeah, yeah no, I'll yeah. take that we'll take that uh, so I think he was beating me up till when I was 13 or 14 maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah I started because of him uh, obviously at the beginning it was just for fun uh, with him you know making swings for fun I played a lot of football basketball volleyball I skied quite a bit uh, but then when I was 13 14 years old I started to winning some junior tournaments, going to golf camps, and I enjoyed I enjoyed the competition, the practice, the golf trips, and I think that was the first sign that I, I want to do that, you know, more seriously. But as you said, as I said, in, in Poland, there were, there were like maybe four or five guys in my age that we could compete against. So we had to go abroad, we had to go to Germany, travel around Europe, to UK, I played the British boys, British amateur, all of these big tournaments just to, you know, improve my game, keep getting better. And then um, when I was 16 years old, I met my coach, Matthew Tipper, who I'm still with. And he 
made me realize that I'm I'm good enough to try to go to US to you know get a scholarship in in college and 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 play there and that was our goal for three years and that's what happened I went to states for four years uh, played at uh, East Tennessee State University I graduated in 2016 but yeah again um, we had tournament every two weeks with the best players in the country in the world basically because I think golf in college is on such a high level you can see the players now that come out from college it's unbelievable so I think that was the best decision I made yeah. uh, in my young career what was it about Matthew that uh, Matthew Tipper you yeah. said your coach what was it about him that stood out because you know it's amazing that you're still with him I mean yeah. you, talk, you think about all the players now a, a lot of players have quite a regular churn of coaches some of them switch coaches often hey, just to add a little bit of context here Robbie's probably thinking about getting a lesson from him <laughs> yeah, yeah right. that's why he's asking this I'll, I'll, I'll reach out to him yeah, yeah. <laughs> after Zane gives me a short game lesson uh, but yeah but what, what was it about him you obviously he's, he really resonated with you and um, from what you just said he clearly instilled a lot of belief in you yeah I mean I remember when I met him, he kind of made me believe in myself and we spent a lot of time together. I remember when I was coming from high school back home, we, we had four hours of lesson every day, five, five days a week for like three years. So we spent a lot of time together. So we kind of got close and he always cared about me, not only about my golf, but also as a person. So he's like a brother to me. And um, yeah, throughout all of these years, he got to know me and my swing basically from scratch. So I don't see point, you know, if you if you look at my career, it's like progressing every single year. So if I'm not getting worse, why should I change something? If I'm, you know, if I'm progressing, keep going, keep getting better. Obviously, down the road, we had a lot of discussions with other coaches or like we went to see James Sigmund to fix my putting and chipping now he works with James Sigmund uh, we went to Paul Harion for a putting lesson but he always was with me like together so he kind of not not managed me but kind of was looking what's going on and I always believe him I think belief it's mm. and trust trust well, is very that's very interesting important. because you know coming through you know I turned pro two decades ago now and you know um, myself being one of them you see a lot of players that you have questions of you know you may be working your game and you you get to be, you get to a point and then you want to up it to another level yeah. and um, I would have fallen foul to it and I've seen other players do it where you then think oh this guy can't maybe can't take me to the next level mm-hmm. but it's maybe one tiny bit of the game and I always think in hindsight you know what that person who, who you know you trust both go and see the other coach yeah exactly just get their point of view exactly because there's so much more context to what, what, what Matthew would bring to your game other than that one piece you're putting at that time yeah, and at the he, same time he, he's learning as well and we can both go forward and then yeah that's it I think that's that's important so it wasn't until he said to you Adrian I think you, you've got what it takes that you actually believed it yeah yeah I mean he was the one who made me realize because when I was 16 I played golf obviously I competed around Europe but I didn't have like idea what what I want to do if I want to play golf or if I want to go to college somewhere was it always going to be sport yeah definitely definitely yeah I I really enjoy sport I love watching sport love playing sports so um, but he was the one who made me realize I have a potential to to play so you moved from Europe to East Tennessee State. Oh yeah, uh, that must have been a shock because you know shock, yeah. a massive culture shock. And, and having known a couple of guys that have moved from here to go and do college in the states, 
I think a lot of the shock is how good the standard is. And just like there's suddenly thousands of, of young players oh, who yeah. are able to shoot 65 on a given day. And, and yet you came through that ready to turn pro and ready to, to sort of cut your teeth on the challenge tour. So what was the biggest challenge of that experience of part of your life, Adrian? And, uh, and like what was the kind of biggest learning curve, if you like? Yeah, definitely the first year was one of the toughest years in, in my career. I didn't speak, I, my English was not very good. Um, the the accent, the, ten, the accent in Tennessee was yeah. <laughs> very strong. <laughs> right. The food was completely different. Um, the culture, yeah, was comp- yeah, I was in shock. So I didn't speak much my first year. I was just kind of sitting and observing things. Um, she's on the range yeah <laughs> yeah I spent most of my my free time on the range just uh, you know playing golf uh, fortunately there was not many distractions in Tennessee so we, we could play only golf uh, or go to school uh, it was nothing not much to do to be honest but um, yeah I'm glad I you know I survived this year because after that it was just much easier but then my friend from from Poland came to to, to the college as well uh, so it was much better for me and my golf got much better as well I think the biggest thing in college golf is the competition as you said there's so many good players so in order to you know stay on point and and compete with them you had to practice get better on the on the on the range um with the guys on the team so I think that helped me a lot to grow my game and understand what needs to be done to be you know professional golfer and I, I think when I was in my third year in college I decided okay this is what I want to do for a living and I had a actually good good two last years in, in college I think I was ranked 10th in the in the country 5th in the, in the world on amateur working or ranking so um, it gave me gave me a lot of uh, learning and, and confidence not all college players who are good at college make it on the pro circuit. Mm. You know, you've you've got to have a certain mindset and, and a certain ability to, you know, put money out of your head. You know, playing for your first paycheck and all of that kind of thing and the pressures that that brings. Uh, how were you able to to make that switch when you did move into the pro ranks and play on the Challenge Tour? Well, I started try to focus on on my game and just to treat the game the same as it was uh, obviously it was tough it was a lot of new learning experiences uh, but uh, I was fortunate enough to play well my of I think I had seven invites uh, my first year and I kept I think I finished 30th of seven invites on the ranking so I kept my card for next year and I was a kind of good good start into into professional um, career so then it was just a kind of new 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 moment for me you know starting with the full card on challenge tour um obviously had high expectations um yeah what what were your expectations when you turned pro like did you have like a view of this is going to be i'm going to i'm going to press on and get straight to the tour because the challenge tour is 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 far flung from what we think when you start playing golf and you think i think i'll give this a go i'm going to be a professional golfer and you get on the challenge tour and it's very different to what you watch on television oh it's so hard challenge tour i think it's the greatest way to start your golfing career because it just challenges you and um it's so tough it's so many good players you have to shoot low scores uh, to finish even top 10 top 15 uh, and to be honest yeah uh, my expectations were to get my card after seven invites so I, do- I got that and um, the next year obviously I wanted to go on the European tour and 
that's when kind of everything hit me because I finished like 78th in the ranking and stayed on Challenge Tour. That was a tough year for me, but um, I understood that I wasn't ready for DP World Tour, for European Tour back then, um, because my short game and my putting wasn't enough, wasn't good enough. So we went with my coach again to Jesse James Sigman, and I changed everything from scratch with putting. And then the year after that, I graduated from Challenge Tour. But I think um, the Challenge Tour is the greatest way to, you know, to build your career and so you, to learn a lot. You did a Nick Faldo. You did a full makeover. Yeah. I you, did. you did a full sweep. So putting, you changed everything, Adrian. Yeah, that that amazes yeah. me. So yeah. you're already a pro. You're already in the first couple of years of your career. That's got to be scary to say, right? I'm going to break down my entire putting stroke and build it up again from scratch. Yeah, it was uncomfortable, but I knew it has to be done for me to to move forward. Uh, I think my first, my last two, my first two years on Challenge Tour, I just was changing a lot of grips, like posi- uh, ball positions, routines. It was just a mess, to be honest. So we decided to. It has to be simple, new, and ev- like, so I changed the powder grip, everything, the routine, and I I still use it now. So you just made <laughs> a plan. You made a plan and stuck with it all the way through, and yeah, it paid off. Exactly, exactly. So I, I, I was I was actually I'm glad that we you know. Mm, came to that decision and we actually saw that that was what needs to be changed it seems like there's a few things kind of building up here i think we're, and we're working up to kind of present day but it seems to be you know a growth mindset that you're you're realizing that it doesn't it's not always you know a steady climb no. and you're just and it sounds like you're recognizing okay this is my situation now i don't quite like it what we're going to do about it, which is a great mindset, and it, and and that strength of mindset has seemed to have taken you on. I, I had a question around like being like the only Polish golfer on the DP World Tour, and coming through that, it seems like you were kind of you've been the trailblazer. Does that play on your mind? Is that like a is that a strength? Is it just you had to deal with being the only person from from your region that's played golf? You know, I, I come from you know. A British background. There's loads of golfers around us, but the one piece for me was uh, my my dad's black, so I was half black. So I felt quite unique in that situation. And it sounds like you know you're a unique guy in that way. And it seems like these tests seem to be like your fuel almost. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was definitely a little tough at the beginning because everyone was shocked. You know, guy from Poland, what what are you doing here? You know, <laughs> um, people were like, never mess- seen that flag before. <laughs> yeah, they were messing actually the flag. They were doing um, upside down, which was like a Monaco flag. I was like, okay, so I'm, I'm maybe, one day. Yeah, maybe, maybe one day, maybe one day. <laughs> uh, so it was a bit different at the beginning, but as as the year went on, as the years went on, and I started to produce some results, you know, people got used to me, and now. They, they, actually, they, they, they fine with it, and actually, I get a lot of support wherever, wherever I go, especially from Polish communities. You know, whenever I play in Australia or US or even South Africa, there's always someone from Poland supporting me, which is uh, amazing. And you know, knowing that golf is not very popular sport in Poland, but um, definitely, it definitely drives me. I want to. I know I'm keeping all the, I'm breaking all the records, the golf records, but I want to, you know go as far as possible you know keep going forward uh, getting my win on the PGA Tour getting you know majors uh, and stuff like that so uh, definitely those kind of um, 
small records they they drive me to go even further how long can you remember adrian before you won in ireland in last year at mount juliet how long before that had you felt ready to win on the dp world tour i think that year i was i was ready i was coming a couple of times i was i was quite close i I think i won in in june maybe in like uh april may and i had a good finishes like i think third or fifth and I knew back. I was angry back then. I remember that. Uh, okay, I'm I'm ready to win. And my coach said, Okay, just stay patient. Uh, it's gonna click some week. You know, if if everything's if if your game's gonna click one week, you're gonna win by by five. And that's that's what happened in in Ireland. So that was a very special week for me, but also such a relief. You know, and and confirmation that I'm I'm good enough to win. On Do that you have level. a favorite win of your four? I'm gonna say Irish Open because it was the first one, get it and the you just get you know those such a relief and um, big event as well. Yeah, yeah. huge. Yeah. Yeah. You, you've won some big huge events. Yeah. yeah, and uh, his, historically huge one as well. Yeah, so I'm, I'm happy. But the, I think the Irish one was the most special one for me. There's a great clip of the Polish commentators uh, ushering in your win as you hole out for the victory, and they're obviously very excited. How did how did Poland react? to your to your victory was it did it make national news like did you did the phone not stop ringing well the golf society is quite small and everyone knows each other so <laughs> i got a lot of phone calls and messages from them but to be honest the national news uh, they were not very interested and nobody really knew what happened uh, but it's getting better now as i have four wins now last year i was seventh uh, in like a sportsman of the year in poland um, so that, that was good. That's a good start. Uh, you know, next to Lewandowski, Iga Świątek, the tennis player, which is uh, which is good. So golf is getting more recognized now in Poland, which I'm working on that as well. I want to grow the game uh, back in Poland. And you've won so far afield as well, Adrian. You know, not just in Europe, but you went down to Australia. You're about to defend that title. Mm. Uh, Kingston Heath, I believe it was, which is a classic Melbourne golf course. Yeah, what what a was golf that? Course, yeah. What a golf course yeah. that, that is. What, what was that experience like? Yeah, down it was under? amazing. It was amazing. Um, it was actually an unexpected that I went there. Uh, we, it was like a quick decision after the, just before the final last year that we we're going to go to Australia. And uh, I went to my girlfriend. We stayed at my, my girlfriend's cousin's uh, in Melbourne. So felt like home, you know, had the Polish food, talking Polish. Um, they were supporting me on the course. And yeah, it just just played great. I think I feel I felt quite relaxed and have many expectations going to that week. Mm-hmm. It was all already like, a, you know, end of the season. Uh, I obviously wanted to play well, but didn't have, you know, much expectations. And I think that helped to to play my best golf and yeah I loved uh, we played uh, Kingston Heath and Victoria was the main course uh, I loved it there it was uh, just such a cool vibe yes I mean it, if you win at there's certain places in golf that you want to you know the, I think as you go into the TV world of, in, in terms of the Wentworth and the Players Championship and you know you want to win an Open and the Masters but to win down in Australia on that type of golf course is definitely want to tick off it's, it's quite it's a unique golf very classic golf but you know it can be if you're on yeah. you can get it done but if you're off they find you out really quickly and those yeah. hard greens and they're so fast it's true it's very special off. I also played with Min Lee and Adam Scott in the final oh, group wow. on Sunday and wow. there's a lot of Aussies supporting them so they love their sport <laughs> yeah, so yeah they love the sport exactly so I can say easily that the crowd was against me 
Uh, yeah, and another, to do that, another no, another hard situation. Yeah, where you somehow you just turn around and yeah, make and it. Yeah, to do that in front of, of you know them beating Adam Scott, which was my you know childhood hero as well. You know who who doesn't like Adam yeah. Scott and his swing. So yeah, I was a very special win, definitely. Uh, we actually had Ryan Fox on the podcast in our first episode, Adrian, and he was talking about his first trip to the Masters. I know it was yours as well. Um, he was talking about how you notice things from a tradition point of view, like George Washington's signed flag, you know, up in the clubhouse. What, what was it that stood out for you? Was it like a, a weird kind of dream when you first kind of went to Augusta National? Because it has got this very, it's got this aura to it. It's a very special place. Yeah, when you get there, it's like a, you know, a monster of the course. You, you step on the first tee. And everything, everything's so big. Like those, you can see like six holes from one one point. The slopes are massive. You don't see that on TV. So it's quite a, a little bit overwhelming when you when you get there for the first time. So I went on Sunday before the tournament in my shorts, trying to walk everywhere. Uh, so I went to the ranch, and the guy said, "You can't walk in shorts here." So I had to put my <laughs> rain pants <laughs> rain pants in uh, on, and I had to walk like in, th- in thirty degrees weather in uh, in the rain pants. So the, the the rules are very strict over there, which I was, um, you know, unfamiliar with as well. But the whole place is just uh, mind blowing and overwhelming. It's, I think it's definitely my f- one of my favorite tournaments that I played in. Did you buy anything from the shop? Yeah, I spent I spent quite a bit of uh, <laughs> money. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the first uh, first trip you have to do it. I even I was walking with my you know with the sh- with the shopping bags and I was walking p- through past Tiger Woods and he said oh the first shopping first master shopping experience of the day. yeah that's it yeah wow that's uh, so you, you've met Tiger or yeah I played with Tiger in 2000 uh, was last year in, in San And- at San Andreas nine holes oh wow that was my first time I, I, I met him and then we met at Masters again nice guy Riviera. yeah he's very nice yeah I, li- I like him a lot he honestly growing up he was my definitely my, my idol so what he what he's done for the game is just um Incredible. It's been such a transformative year for you in terms of where your stature has risen from where it started the year to, to where it's reached now, Adrian. You know, what I guess for you, we talked about experience and, and confidence. When you look forward for the PGA Tour and the majors, which you'll be you know, heavily involved in next year, of course, what, what's the kind of key to ensuring that your, your results go up a notch in those tournaments? Again, it's the same the same golf you know I know I have to, I have to trust myself uh, this year I played all of the majors so I know uh, I gained some experiences and um, some believe that I you know I can I can be there and compete I had a good good result in uh, British Open this year uh, so going to next year uh, I know I can't really change the approach I have to keep doing the same stuff at the same time as you know, keep improving my wedges again, putting and and you know scoring clubs, and that's gonna take you know take 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 care of the business. I I don't want to change anything. Um, I have to just trust myself and feel comfortable because I know when I can trust my game and when I'm comfortable with the situation, um, I can play my best golf and my best golf. It's it's good enough to to compete with with anyone. So for, just real quick, so for any like um, like kind of budding golfers or golfers who want to make their way, what does uh, like a week off for you? What does what does a a, a day a golfing 
work day in the life of Aidan Moronk look like? Day off. Like a day like a day off from tournaments, but yeah. you're at home, right, I'm going to get my work done. What is it range time? Is it course? Is it both? Is it... Depends. Like if I have uh, four weeks on the road and have a week off, I do like four days of nothing. Absolutely nothing. Maybe I'll go to the gym for like two days and then no golf at all just to get hungry and you know and I need to clip that bit out because I've got a, there's, there's, a, there's an LET player I work with and trying to get her to take a day off okay. and I'm like just like, just try and do nothing and she'll be like okay and then she'll text me she's like I'm just hitting a few putts no. like, that's not a day off yeah <laughs> no I mean especially when you're when you're on the tour and when you're on the road when you get home after four weeks you just don't want to think about golf in in my opinion it's it's healthy to just leave the clubs in the garage and do something else I, I personally I like play paddle tennis or or tennis or go out of friends or play playstation whatever just anything but golf just to get mm-hmm. hungry just get your mind you know off a little bit just to get fresh fresh yeah. Again, again yeah exactly but when I'm like when I have a one tournament and then week off at home, I'll yeah I'll spend some time on my whatever didn't work on that week, or if everything's in 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 order, I have set of drills, set of games that I'm gonna do daily, and we created this culture with my coach with Matthew that um, I have to win my way off the practice run, so I need to you know pass the chipping game, pass the putting putting game and then pass the range game then I, I can go yeah, home I like that so sometimes it takes you know <laughs> 30 minutes but sometimes it takes 3 hours mm. now I have, have this, to get that done yeah but I have this confirmation and confidence okay I've done good practice I passed everything that I uh, that I needed to and yeah I can move on what does the rest of the year hold in store there's not much of it of course the DP World Tour Championship I think you're going down to South Africa as well uh, DP World Tour Championship though you've played well in that tournament I believe Adrian uh, how how special is that one to close out the year yeah I love it I think it's my favourite tournament of the year uh, I I practice at Jumeirah when I, whenever I'm in Dubai so I know the course quite well and feels like I'm playing at home now I spent quite a bit of time uh, here and last year I played there good I think I think I think I finished seventh, um, so it was a good end of the year. So I'm very excited to to be coming back in in such a strong position as well. Um, my parents are coming, a lot of friends as well. So it's going to be a nice way to end the season. And in terms of looking forward to next year as well, this uh, provided, of course, that you can finish the season strongly, which I'm sure you will, and and secure PJ Tour playing rights for, for 2024. I know you had exposure to that this year, but how much does your schedule change, Adrian? And, and how much do maybe your expectations change coming off the back of 2023 and into next year? Yeah, I, again, like I feel like my game improved again uh, this year uh, so um, I'm happy about that that was always a goal and going into the new year all depends on my tour category I mean the card category for next year then I can make start making some plans for next year but I'll, I'll definitely start on the on the PGA Tour and try to play most of the year over there um, and move my move my myself over there yeah, just uh, to kind of before we get to the end. So you go to to next year. Do you are you on a constant like journey of like improvement, or do you have like a sit down at the end of the year with the team and go like this is what we did last year. This is where I think the next bit's going to be. It's what we could do better, 
and make a new plan or are you just on a constant like just always checking always no, checking, we always we actually set up after after the the season and analyze what what was good what was not so good where did i play well what grasses i play well on uh, in terms of scheduling you know the the plan uh, the, of the tournaments and then um, we make a new plan and go from there yeah, the depth of that, Robbie. What, what's what's the best? What's your best grass that you play on? What's, what? Oh God! <laughs> Any grass where I'm not knifing a chip <laughs> is good enough for me. Yeah. Zane, um, listen, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you into the studio for this podcast, Adrian. Thank really, you. really appreciate it. Um, I'm expecting big things, as I'm sure you are for 2024. And uh, I mean, congratulations on an amazing year. Congratulations on on where you're at in the race to Dubai, on all the wins. And uh, let's let's finish the season strong thank you so much thanks for having me it was it was fun talking to you guys and yeah let's let's have some fun brilliant stuff adrian moronk there heading to the dp world tour championship ranking third on the race to dubai and looking for some big things in 2024 my first kind of takeaway from chatting to him is you can see from his mentality why he's been so successful this year and I think the dealing with the Ryder Cup was a case in point that was like a great case study for a positive mental mindset and someone who takes a disappointment and is able to channel it in the right way and not let it drag them down and and create negativity in in their outlook and he's done an incredible job of that he had the disappointment he was sure he would be on the Ryder Cup team didn't happen for him and then he used that to, to go ahead and win very quickly afterwards in Spain I thought that was highly highly impressive I think we'll see him on a Ryder Cup in the future I'm sure of that and I think he's going to do well in the continuation of his journey in golf when he moves over and plays more golf in America yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely believe that he's going to go go on and play in future Ryder Cups and be one of our stars going forward. I mean, the the word you use, he channels things so well. Like, it very, he doesn't, he takes adverse situations, doesn't ignore them, recognises them. You know, he's chatted about going through the emotions of not being picked for that Ryder Cup, and then at the back end of it, decided right, this is what I'm going to do, and it used and then then used it to spur him on. He doesn't try and pretend it's not happening because so much in golf is. I'm just going to concentrate one shot at a time and try and remain upbeat. Whereas it's quite clear with him, like like he's very like the word that he used was aware. He's quite aware of the situation he's in, thinks about it, then makes a plan, and then goes and executes that plan. And then when he gets to that level, he finds out where he is, gets aware of his situation, makes another plan. So everything he's done is quite he's quite calculated, really. And uh, I think that's so admirable for a, a pretty young guy to come and do what he's done uh, in not necessarily easy circumstances and just keeps forging on. You know, mm. he, he chatted about just trying to get a bit better each year. And what a, uh, what a fantastic mindset, you know, because you know, he hit, hit some heights and he's thinking in, to go from where he was as a, you know, just playing golf with his dad to now essentially being the best kind of European player in, in terms of like the only people ahead of him are guys that play in some of the bigger events and he's just thinking about where do I go next? What's the next bit of improvement? It sounded like he didn't. He hasn't quite nailed down exactly what he needs to do, 
but you can tell he's on the lookout for what's the next piece, what's the next piece. What do you think? In. What do you think that entails? Obviously, the, the the key will be to go and play more PGA Tour events, to, which offer more world ranking points. You know, I think it's interesting that Adrian has had so much success, but his ranking hasn't changed that much in the last twelve months, and that's because you do just by the the way the thing is structured, you get more ranking points from playing on the PGA Tour. Is that a case of just becoming more comfortable out there in the US? Is that confidence based? Is that just learning how to play those different style of golf courses? All of the above. I mean, the the first part is going to be, it's a new tour. It's, it's starting again as such in that in that manner. Your game is still the same, but it's all the pieces around it. So as his game is quite clearly elite now, fantastic driver of the ball, great iron player, you know, holding shots to win golf tournaments. As Dr. Grandy tells you, he's got a good iron play. He can clearly hold the putts under pressure. And he spoke about how he dealt with some of the pressure situations. The next part is, can he do all that again in a different place, on a different level? But it seems like, he, like it, does his mentality deals with things really well. Like the, I would say one of the biggest issues with players going from Europe to, the, to America, and you know, I've heard this with some of the players that have gone in the past and they go, oh, I don't like America, and they come back. And, and part of it is because they don't play very well, but then why do they not play very well? And it, more often than not, it's something to do with their game. It's just the, the comforts of being uncomfortable, being in a completely new place, a new culture. But the thing about Adrian, he's, he's been had to go into different cultures and get uncomfortable pretty much his whole life. So it's not an easy transition, but he's got all the tools in there that he's already mm. used before. So it's like when he goes to the PJ Tour, it's going to be a matter of, I think where he gets to the next level is being able to use those same models and techniques that he's used in the past to move into a new environment. And then most of it's experience now. He can clearly do all the bits. He's, can, he's clearly got the, the game. You know, if you look, if you strip it right down, drives the ball fantastically. Iron plays good, can hold putts under pressure. Short game's clearly very good, and he's working on all that. Okay, there's that, there's that part. So the next part is like, each time he wins a tournament, that's just building that confidence, building that confidence. And I think it's actually a strength that he's the only Polish golfer. I think that really plays into his hands because he'll feel a little bit unique and he'll feel like I've got something to prove. Yeah, his trajectory, you see a lot of players kind of maybe peak early on in their careers and then they, they reach a ceiling and they don't get any better. Some just have this amazing purple patch. Mm. I can think of a few. I won't name any names, but just some who've just played great golf for like a six-month spell and then they've dropped back a bit. Whereas with him it's kind of all trending in a in a pretty upward curve like you can see there's more to come from him like this is just the beginning for exactly. him exactly i think as a golf fan you tend to you, we we want everybody we want a new tiger we want a new rory mcelroy someone who's just going to press on but for a lot of golfers just getting to the tour is their dream or just winning a tournament is their dream or whatever it may be you know it could be just winning could be winning one major and then you get some players who every they're just interested in bettering themselves all the time. Wherever that takes them, that tends to, you know, that we tend to see this improvement. And Adrian just seems that way. It's not as if his goal wasn't to get to the tour. I don't think his goal was then to win a, a DP World event. I don't even think his goal is to win a major. I think his goal is to come out. And he just seems to, whatever situation is thrown at him, how do I deal with this really well? How do I get a bit better all the time? And so far, that's worked for him. So, actually, to say, you know, I think one of the biggest keys to him now is going to be 
don't change anything keep doing what you're doing which is actually a lot easier said than done yeah no doubt no doubt um, well good luck to him I'm really really looking forward to following his progress and once again we thank him we thank Richard his manager as well for uh, for making that interview happen for bringing him in studio and uh, big big thanks to Adrian Morant we wish him well for the uh, the next couple of weeks he's got a little bit of a break and then we're building up now the regular season on the DP World Tour has come to a conclusion Zane there's just two more events uh, Sammy Valamaki is your champion over in Doha at the Commercial Bank Qatar Masters he beat Jorge Campillo in a playoff for his first win his second win on the DP World Tour his first win since his rookie season back in 2020 which was feels like a different time ago that was the Covid year of course that was the behind closed doors year he's obviously very emotional as well I'm sure anyone who, who saw the win and, and saw his interviews afterwards will have, will have seen that and it's been a long journey for him so congratulations to Sammy two more events for, for us to look forward to the Ned Bank Golf Challenge down in South Africa and then the DP World Tour Championship and there's, there's the allure of those 10 PGA Tour cards that is a heck of a carrot for these guys chasing these top spots who then have more playing rights and more player opportunities in, in the States for next season for the 2024 season all to play for in these final two events Zane yeah absolutely that, that has been a real good addition uh, to this, this year um, and to golf in general just to have like it's an extra bit of spur on because we've got the we had, we've had the FedEx and now we've got the DP World Championships which is fantastic here at the Earth Course at Jamiro Golf Estate it's always we've been spoiled with great champions there so that's going to be quite the spectacle and then to have this addition of the, the, the rough and tumble of these last 10 PGA Tour spots because for these players it is genuinely life changing we chat with a little bit of with, uh, with Adrian kind of uh, off, off pod there and you know just that little piece of where I finish you know if, if he finishes number one in those 10 spots it gets in two signature events the players championship and like the players championship is, it's an iconic golf event that every golfer of course you want to play in the majors but anybody who's watched golf growing up wants to go and tee up at Sawgrass and to have that in the back of your mind while you're playing at the earth course at the Ned Bank Yes, that's going to add an extra little bit of pressure. It's huge for these guys. Two more events. Just looking at these rankings, Rory is miles out in front on 5,164 points. John Rahm, defending DP World Tour champion. He's in second spot. Masters champion from this year, of course. That feels like a long time ago already, Zane. And then you've got Adrian and, and Ryan Fox battling it out for those I guess the number, as you just mentioned, the number one spot on the full time list, those who are not already exempt. Victor Perez, who won down in Abu Dhabi. Minwoo Lee's had a cracking season as well. Sammy, he's up to seventh on the list. Sammy, Sammy Valamaki, who won on the weekend. Then Bob McIntyre, Ryder Cup hero. He's in the top 10. He's eighth. Alexander Bjork is ninth. And, and Victor Hovland, who is arguably the best player on the planet on current form is in 10th spot so I cannot wait for the DP World we're going to have to work overtime to catch uh, as many of these guys on the podcast as possible over the next couple of weeks you ready for a busy couple of weeks eh? very very busy and you know Robbie it's probably worth mentioning we had Ryan Fox on he won now we've had Adrian on he's won I mean, have had Tommy on, so Tommy could be a good... Kit Popper, good, he's Kit also Popper. the winner. Winner in uh, the BMW at Wentworth. And he'll be at the Earth Course playing. So I think we... I think we'll be fielding some calls. We will, hopefully. We're um, we're offering anyone who wants to be on the show yeah. uh, that that golden ticket of a, of a forthcoming win 
it's not guaranteed. You'll find in the small print. We don't offer a guarantee, but uh, it certainly looks like we're trending in that direction. It's so what we do. It's what it's, we do. It's, it's what we can offer. Um, not sure how, but uh, <laughs> but we're claiming it anyway. Listen, Zane, uh, enjoy your uh, your time out here in Dubai. I know you've got some more golf plans, and uh, looking forward to the next episode of the first tee. Absolutely, and We've we'll get some golf ca- in the meantime. That's right. Yes, that short game lesson. And we'll that- report back and how it gone. How it's how the short game lesson is yes. going to go. Yes, please be kind to me. Putting, chipping, you know, any any form of short game for me, I'm badly in need of your assistance, Zane. So I'll be I'll be relying on you heavily on that front. And uh, we've got loads of interviews coming up on the First Tee podcast. We've got Guy Kinnings, the director of the Ryder Cup, looking back on an amazing week for Team Europe and the DP World Tour there, and loads more in the pipeline as well. So please do subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast, whether it's on Apple, on Spotify, you can find us on all the platforms. And uh, we really appreciate you listening in. The first tea.